Good morning, church. How are y'all? For those of y'all that don't know me, I'm Jay Barons. We're we're taking a break this morning from uh, from our series in First Peter that uh, Pastor John's been leading us through, and we're going back on our WWD WWD. Does anybody remember what that stands for? There you go. Why we do what we do. If uh, if you'll remember, we've uh, let me kind of review a little bit some of the things that uh, that we've covered here. Uh, you got that, Steve? There we go. We've covered eva- uh, why we evangelize, why we get baptized, why we take communion, and uh, then also, as a matter of fact, a year ago today, we talked about loving sacrificially. Today, though, we're going to talk about serve. What What's it mean to serve? What's What's the word mean? Uh, there's a lot of things in the world that, that we serve and, and we do. Uh, I'll be moving around a bunch. But today, we're going to talk about service in, in God's name. Uh, Joshua 24.15. How many of y'all are familiar with that verse? If you've ever been to Hobby Lobby, you're familiar with this verse. This, this isn't really the, the whole verse, though. This is, this is the last part of the verse. Uh, y'all say it with me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How many of y'all have that hanging in your home? Or you've seen it? Uh, it's, it's in our house. Uh, so why do we do that? Why, why is it in our house? Why, why is that sign up? There's, there's a lot of different reasons that, you know, uh, I hate to say this, but some Christians, people wouldn't know, their neighbors wouldn't know they're a Christian if they didn't go in and read their signs. You know, if it wasn't for a Hobby Lobby. But, but for a lot of us, it might be because well, we like the Scripture. Uh, maybe it's a nice wall decoration. But in the case of this Scripture, it's for a very specific reason. And Joshua is asking, who are you going to serve? So if you'll go back and read the whole Scripture, it's kind of like, are you going to serve the gods of your father? Are you going to serve these other gods or people or anything else? And he ends it with this statement. So as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And so I'm going to ask us, is that something we should do? Should we serve the Lord? That's not recorded. Answer, you know, should we? Yeah, yeah, the, the church answer is yes. And, you know, the Sunday school answer is yes, I'm going to serve the Lord. But I don't know about Wednesday night. I'm, you know, I'm busy and then... Sunday, you, holy, you want me to do what with the youth? Or, well, well I, I can't, can't break loose to go to the nursing home to, to see her. But So we put a lot of asterisks, we put a lot of questions after that when we say, yes, we should serve the Lord. So is that wrong or is that right? I don't know. But today we're going to dig into the Word and find out. So one of the, one of the first things that we want to do is what's the Word mean? What does serve mean? Pastor John wouldn't let me go if I didn't give you all a definition. So serve in can be a noun or a verb. And in a verb, it means to serve, servant, uh, maybe a waiter or a waitress. Uh, it's something you can do with a tennis ball, how you serve. You know, um, maybe somebody holds political office. I've even had a legal notice served to me. So serve fits a lot of different things here. 
uh, from a verb. It's an action. It's something that's happening to us. As a noun, uh, serve would be, you know, the opening move in a in some type of sporting event. Uh, maybe you're playing Wahoo with your grandkids or something, and it's your turn. That's called a serve. So in a noun, it's kind of like that. But in the context of serving the Lord, let's put it in that context. And that's that's the meaning we're going to focus on. And it basically means, and y'all, if you don't know me, you will. I'm pretty simple. It means to show up. It basically means to be useful. It It means that... Suit up and be on my team. Get on God's team. So we're we're going to go through how to do that and what that means and how that works. But like I say, we're we're going to keep it as simple as possible. So what we're going to do is we're going to try every way in the world to show God is thrilling, not threatening. Now, now you might. You might ask me, say, well, well, what do you mean? Ponder on this for just a minute as we go forward. Um, if I'm trying to do something to serve God and I want to make Him look thrilling or threatening, how many people that know you're a Christian and you want to talk to them about something, they're threatened? You're just, oh, you're just getting in my business. You're just telling me how to live. That's not the reason for us serving God. We want, we want God to appear to the world as thrilling. A reason that people want to know about God. So, uh, as we go forward, this isn't about Jay. This isn't about my opinions. Most of y'all know I'm, I'm a mechanic. Okay? Worked on a lot of vehicles, equipment, stuff like that, machinery. What do mechanics do when they work on your vehicle? What do you call it? Well, I had my vehicle serviced today. Well, there's another word for the word service. You know, well, that piece of equipment needs service. You know, it's that time of the month and all that. So what do mechanics do? Because most of us don't memorize all the different equipment. So there's a little deal out there we call a service manual. Well, preaching's not much different. So we're going we're gonna to refer for service, God's service, to God's service manual. So y'all, y'all, if you would, uh, get low with me and let's uh, let's let's ask God, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for uh, for this beautiful morning and thank you for this uh, this group of people here. God, thank you for your message, uh, Lord. As we show up this morning, lay your message on our heart. Show us what your particular purpose for each one of us in our life is today. Open the, the great mysteries of the Bible to us. Show us, God. Reveal to us. Bury that message on our heart. Take it to our head and to our hands and let us take it to the street for you. Be with those who aren't with us here today and let us know that we're thinking about them and praying for them. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So, in the Bible, I looked this up, service, serve, Bond, slave, uh, all the different words you can think about for serve or service, 1,100 times or more it shows up in the Bible. So I'm thinking, what scriptures do I use? Because there's over 1,100 scriptures that talk about 
service or serving or somehow working for God. I narrowed it down, but I'm pretty sure I can get through all 1,100 verses today and still have you out of here by 6.30 for the Super Bowl, okay? I hope y'all packed a sandwich. The, uh, the, uh, I'll, uh, just kidding, y'all know that. But, but we will be, uh, we'll be talking about basically four verses today. First one we've already talked about in Joshua. Please jot that down. Go back, read the full, the full verse and understand if that sign is hanging in your house, it should be a proclamation, a declaration of who I serve. The next one will be Acts. We'll be in Ephesians and we'll be in 1 Peter. The main crux of our stuff will be in Ephesians 2. Uh, and that's, that's not where we start, but that's going to be the main context of the text. So point number one that we have today is, uh, you've got it in your program there. God doesn't need me, I need Him. Let that kind of firm it and soak in for a minute. God doesn't need me, I need Him. So in Acts 17, 24-25, I think you don't have to turn there, I think we've got it up on the screen. The Lord who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is He served by human hands as though He needed anything. Y'all think God needs anything? Think, think about that statement for just a minute. As though He needed anything. Since He Himself gives all to mankind life and breath and everything. So, let's, let's be honest. Our first breath, our next breath, and our last breath are all by the grace of God. Nothing that we do, okay? How many of y'all could teach yourself to breathe? How many of y'all could teach yourself to swallow? How many of y'all... Think about just a minute what I'm talking about. Everything we do is because God basically gave us the ability and allows us to. So, that immediately... I don't know about y'all. A lot of things in life I like, but I am addicted. I I am addicted to oxygen, okay? I really like to breathe. Pretty sure everybody in here does. So, why then, if God creates everything and God gives us everything and God is everything, you know, why should we serve Him? So, we're still back on this question. Why should we serve God? It's to glorify Him and it's to make Him thrilling and not threatening. Y'all keep that in your mind. You should write that down. My job is to make God look thrilling, not threatening. What's the difference? Uh, because we're going to talk about a lot of different service today, but what's the difference when you're serving the Lord versus something you're doing on your own? First of all, every moment of that is given to us through faith by God. So if there's ever a task that, that you don't know that you're comfortable with, or you don't know how to do, or you know I'm just unsure about or anything else, remember what I said our definition was? Show up. Just show up. Because the rest is going to happen. God's going to give it to us in the exact moment that we need it. Not when we think, you know, oh Lord, if you'd give it all to me now, then I'd go talk to that guy. God's going, get out there, Barons. 
I'll give it to you when you need it. You'll forget it anyway before you walk over there. He knows me, okay? But when you think about that, I mean, I, I think about I'm going to go do something, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and it usually doesn't work out right. But every time that I get honest and I try to serve God and show up, it just happens. It just flows. Amen. And you know what? That's a God thing. That is not Jay. That's a God thing. So go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians uh, in your Bible, in your, your phone. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew. Take it with you. That's our present to you. The, uh, but Ephesians 2, and we're, we're going to be in 8 and 10, 8 through 10 right now. So this is something that, that we could, there's so many things in this, these just few little scriptures here. But what we're going to try to pull out of it today. So starting in verse 8, for by grace you've been saved through faith. Okay, normally when I'd say something like that, I'd expect amen, hallelujah. I mean, let's, let's go back and everybody listen to this. For grace, you've been saved through faith. Amen? Amen. I mean, guys, there's evangelism. You know, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift from who? God. It's a gift from God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So let me read that all together. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and it is not of your own doing. It is the, it is the gift from God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Alright, I could preach a whole sermon on uh, verse 8 and 9 right there. And, you know, we could go away rejoicing, holler hallelujah, high five. God saved me through grace and gave me faith the, uh, to accept that. I mean, and it'd all be good news. We could leave that work stuff and serving and how we should be doing all that. We could leave that till Pastor John gets back. We'll let him cover that stuff. I'll just be the good time guy. And uh, we all, hallelujah, I'm saved by grace. Amen. We go home. But I can't do that. Because see, God laid verse 10 on Paul's heart. Uh, Paul is the author here in Ephesians, and he laid that little verse 10 on Paul's heart. And Paul, being Paul, he felt inclined to include it in the Bible. So uh, let's read verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, for which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. So point two in your bulletin, is God designed me to accomplish and fulfill His specific purpose. The uh, Think about that for just a minute. Before you were knitted together in the womb, before the beginning of time, God already had a purpose for you individually. How many of us grow up, we learn how to read, we learn how to write, we go to school, then we go to college, and then maybe we go to graduate school, or then we do something else. Then we finally get us a job, and we got on-the-job training, and all this kind of stuff to prepare us for what? A task, a job. Before you were even born, before you were even put together in your mother's womb, God already knew what your job was. And uh, 
and he's planning for that. He created all of us, individuals, for a specific purpose. So, so let's, let, let's think about specific purposes and inventions and stuff like that. So, how many of y'all have ever used a drinking cup? Come on. <laughs> the, uh, a cup has a very specific purpose, right? It's, it's a way for us to get liquid into our body. But if you look at a cup, I think when no cups existed, somebody just sticking their face in a mud hole, somebody come up with, there ought to be a way to hold this. But if you turn a cup upside down, will it fulfill its purpose? No. No. We turn the cup the right side up. Cup has been invented, designed for a specific purpose. And we've been trained on how to use it. Now we can drink. I'll, I'll tell you another one. Uh, the well, I don't need to get it. Y'all know what one looks like. How many of y'all have ever used a ballpoint pen? Yeah, me. In, did you know in 1888, in 1887, they didn't have ballpoint pens. But in 1888, there was a gentleman by the name of no resemblance to me or John, but his name is John J. Loud. Now, I, 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 no resemblance to either one of us. Strictly pure coincidental. But in 1888, I hear you clearing your throat over there, checking up on me. The <coughs> oh, um, but in 1888, he invented the first ballpoint pen. Uh, the pen actually pumped ink from a well to a ball. It was made for writing on leather. Didn't work on paper. Uh, the patent lapsed, and it, it didn't ever catch on. It was just for writing on leather. So you fast forward to 1938, and a guy by the name of Laszlo Brio and his brother had been working for over 10 years to perfect, and they basically get the credit for inventing the fountain ballpoint pen that we have today. Now, I could take a ballpoint pen and lay it on a piece of paper. It's created for a very specific purpose. took a lot of years and three different men working on it to come up with a, a working model. But will it make a mark on that paper without you touching it or without you doing something? Think about the purpose you were created for. And no matter how miraculous that pen is, without you picking it up and using it, it's just an inanimate object. God's created all of us for that very specific purpose. And without God... That purpose is never fulfilled. Jump back up in our text, and it says, Paul ends this with, that we should walk in them. Paul uses the word walk a lot, and quite a few times. Sometimes it could mean walk, uh, but in this instance, it's very specific. It's something that's not one and done. It's not like we check the box or we do something. It, it's a lifestyle, and that's what Paul's talking about. Our lifestyle should be that we are walking in Christ Jesus and in those works that He designed us for. That's the service. So, Paul is using the word walk kind of in the place of service or the same as because he's saying it's not just a service. It's not just something that you do. It's who we are. And I'll draw some similarities here. Um, Back in Ephesians 2, if you'll just look in your Bible and go back to verse 1, 
the uh, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked there's that word again following the course of the world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at the work of sons in the sons of disobedience so Paul's saying before before you were saved you walked in the world and I get that so we're, we're going to walk one way or another but he's saying if you're saved and when you become saved quit walking in the world and start walking in the Lord in Christ Jesus that sounds like a real simple transition it's not we, we want to keep a foot in both ends of the pool you know we want to well I want a little world and a little God and I, but what Paul's saying here is that walk should change from the world to that is that automatic? No. Is that something we struggle with every day? Yes. So, how many of y'all walk or have walked or have ever walked? Maybe you've seen someone walk. You know? Yeah, yeah we all do. A lot of people walk for a lot of different reasons. Some people walk for exercise. Crazy people. Uh, some people walk for transportation. Oh, no. No, no, no. Not as long as I own a pickup. Uh, now, if pickup breaks down, then I have to walk. Some people like like taking walks, maybe with their loved one on a sunset or a beach. Uh, you know, I just thank the Lord we live in Texas where we can drive on the beach. We don't have to walk on the beach. But, but we walk for a lot of reasons, okay? And everybody walks for a different reason. So, question time. How many of us walk the same? <laughs> Very few of us. How many of us walk at the same speed? We don't. The, uh, the whole reason for that is God made us differently. Different. So, big question now. Do we walk the walk or do we talk the talk? I'm talking as a Christian. The, uh, Steve, do we walk the walk or talk the talk? Here we go. So, what I'm looking for is what do Christians do instead of faithfully serving Jesus? Yep, I can go on to the next one. The um, all right, look on this list. This can be rhetorical. You don't have to answer. God knows your answer. I'll point out a few here on me that that I'm kind of guilty of. How many of us serve out of guilt or shame? Because we feel guilty. Well, let let me tell you something. Jesus never uses shame or guilt. To motivate motivate his followers. If someone's preaching that to you, you can just tell them, Brother Jay said that's wrong. Now, will he correct you? Will he remind you of where you're stumbling and try to bring you back on path? You bet he will. But he'll never use shame. Why? Because God loves us and everything he does is in love. So, I mean, raising your children. Do you want to raise them in shame or do you raise them out of love? The reason we put up with them is because we love them. Otherwise, we'd send them back to their parents. The uh, serve selectively. The uh, some Christians just want to do what they want when they want. This is what I've always done, and I'm just fine doing this. Don't ask me to change. The uh, nobody likes change. I like change as long as it's what I want when I want it. But I'm kind of happy doing what I'm doing. You know, a couple of years ago, John, I, I 
taught a lot. John asked me to preach. I wasn't comfortable. Guys, I'm not comfortable right now. The uh, But I'm here. Maybe we don't serve at all. That, that could be a lot of things. But the older I get, the more I relate to I can't physically do what I used to do. I mean, when, when you... Fred knows, you know, how many nails we've been over and broke concrete and everything else. That's harder to do the older you get. But let me tell you something. It doesn't matter what season of life you're in. God doesn't give us an out. The uh, We can always pray for one another. There's always a way for us to support one another. Even if you're, I don't care if you're wheelchair bound or whatever, you just physically can't do it. We can always pray for one another. God, no matter what season of life we're in, He's already planned a task for you. All you got to do is ask Him. Remember, on, on that about not serving at all, Jesus calls Christians, calls us, to serve each other before we serve ourselves. One of my favorites right here starts with a big O. Overthink it. I am terrible. Oh, hang on. I'm really good at this one. Because I think, well, you don't want me to do it. Uh, I'm not sure what to say. I'm, I'm not good at those Bible verses. Uh, you know, wow. What if I have to give $100 to that person to help with their electricity bill, but Lord, then, then I don't get work next week and I don't get my $100. And, oh Lord, I'm, I'm godly. I'm a nervous wreck here. It, it'd be just best if people, I am terrible about overthinking things. Terrible. I guess terrible is a word. Maybe it's I'm really good at it. And remember, our definition is just to show up. Don't think about it. A lot of times we, we assume someone else will get it. Well, I thought old so-and-so was doing that. You know, uh, I don't want to do it. Somebody get mad at me. Or if y'all would have told me, if I would have known, I would have done it. How, how many of us ask, you know? So, the next one, this one might hit pretty tough with some people. It's not my job. So, the, the statement can be, I thought uh, that it was, and we can fill in the blank, preacher, deacon, uh, Sunday school teacher, minister of music, uh, nursery or a janitor. I thought the janitor was going to pick that paper up in the bathroom and throw it in the trash. That's what we're paying them for. Really, isn't that their job? You know, I don't want to. I don't want to take their livelihood away from them. Come on, people. God, God knows our heart. Here's another one. So I gave money on Sunday. Wow. You want me to work too? Hey, hang on. So if I give you an hour's time, do I get to take five dollars back over here? Well, I don't know. What do you make it work? Well, I make fifteen dollars. Oh, well, maybe I take fifteen dollars back. If if we're splitting hairs with God, He didn't split hairs when He made us. He gave us a very specific purpose. And you know what? If you can't give money on Sunday and you're giving your time and then it comes up on, you know, well, we're doing this and we need a love offering. We're trying to raise money to go to camp. Well, you know, man, I'd love to give money, but, but I do all that work. I guess I could, you know, come up with some money and not show up and do the work. It works both ways, people. That's between you and God. And it should be. Don't, don't ever let me mandate what you should be doing because 
It's everything I can do to say grace over what I should be doing. Think my help isn't needed. You know, well, they don't want me to help. And all they do is gripe about what I do anyway. And, uh, you know, and really at the end of the day, I'm no good at that or I'm no good at that. You really don't want my help. And But what did we say about, there, there's some things you do not want me doing, okay? Uh, and I'm sure of it. The, uh, you know, teaching your kid algebra. Uh, if you've ever seen my handwriting, you do not want me writing a letter that's important because it looks like a Egyptian hieroglyphics, maybe a chicken on a fence post or, you know, a, a donkey on a roof or something. I, I write terrible. There's things you don't want me doing. But no matter what season in life we're in, what did Jesus say we could always do? Pray and support each other. So I could go on and on, y'all. And, and, you know, so I guess really my, my question on this, and I run through this, and I apologize if I'm getting in somebody's kitchen, but these aren't my words, they're God's. What's your excuse? What's my excuse? Ponder on that for just a minute. Think about it. Did y'all know that there's a lot of people in this world who serve others that aren't Christians? I mean, have you ever thought about that? I, I'd never really put a lot of thought into it, but the, the more I think about it, not everyone who serves in a soup kitchen is a Christian. Not every firefighter that saves a child from a burning building is a Christian. Not everyone who ministers to an at-risk youth is a Christian. Not everyone who has dedicated their life to helping people get through addictions might not be a Christian. Not, not everyone that clothes the homeless might not be a Christian. You know, so, so when we think about that, well, they're doing good stuff. So why are they doing that? They're doing it out of the kindness of their heart. People, these are great people. They are. They're awesome people. Just out of the kindness of their heart, they're, they're doing this. They're philanthropists. They're, they're, they're doing things for other people just because it's out of their heart. So what's the big deal about Christians working then and serving? If we're calling these people great, you know, does anybody know the difference? The difference is they're called to greatness and to service out of the kindness of their heart. We as Christians, as followers of Christ, are called to do the exact same thing out of the kindness of His heart. Go to point three. God doesn't call me to serve out of the kindness of my heart, but His. God doesn't call you to serve out of the kindness of your heart, but out of His. That's the difference between us and the world. In 1 Peter 4.11, whoever speaks, it's up here on the board, y'all. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. And the congregation said, Amen. That's right. The, that's the reason we do it. If we're, if we're presenting the world, if we're making disciples, if we're talking to the world about God, 
and he's threatening. But we say, well, so-and-so helps the homeless, and he's not a Christian. We want to be that thrilling also for God. So I want to tell you a story uh, about a uh, missionary couple. This happened quite a few years ago. But there's a missionary couple that had served their whole life in Africa and uh, serving the Lord. And they were getting to a point in their life where they're, they're ready to retire. They're, they're ready to, to come home. They're from New York City. And it's time for them to come home. Uh, so they, they book passage on a boat and they go down to the docks. And when they get down to the docks to the wharf, there's a band playing. There's all this kind of fanfare going on. There's dignitaries. And they're, they're kind of like, what is going on? Well, come to find out, they've booked passage on the same boat that President Theodore Roosevelt is getting on. The president, Theodore Roosevelt, was coming back from Africa on a hunting expedition, big game hunt. So they're kind of like, wow, look at all this. And so they just kind of slipped around the side and they get on and uh, they get on the, on the boat and they start heading back across the Atlantic to come home. And every day, the guy's thinking, man, this isn't right. Uh, I'm broke down. I'm old. My, my health's gone. We don't have any money. We don't have any retirement income. We, we don't have anything. And every day of the passage, his depression just grows deeper and deeper and deeper. The, uh, so they get into New York, and of course the papers are talking about the president's coming in, you know, from a big game hunt. Uh, from Africa. So once again, they see all the bands and the parades and the dignitaries are there and everybody's really clamoring to see the president. Nobody notices this old missionary couple. So they just kind of sneak off the boat. And they, they go into New York and they immediately start looking for a place to live and some kind of job because they still got to eat. Just because they retired doesn't mean they, they can quit eating. And they have nothing. So that night, the the husband's spirit just broke totally. And he broke completely down. And he's confessing it to his wife who's sitting right, you know, that someone like that, the president, you know, everybody treats him and everything. So the wife, like a good wife, gives him some advice. Maybe you need to go in the other room, talk to God about this. So he does goes into the bedroom and after quite a while he comes out and the wife can tell by his face that something's changed. He's happier looking now. He's not as depressed as he has been. And, and she asked him, says, what happened? And he said, well, I did what you said. I went in there. I got low. And I just told the Lord everything that was on my heart. I didn't think it was fair. I didn't think it was right. Uh, I resented the president. You know, he went on a hunting trip and look at all the fanfare he gets. I spent my whole life serving you, God, in Africa and nobody even meets me when I come home. And he said, his wife said, well, what changed? And he said, just about the time that I was finished telling the Lord what was on my heart, I felt like he touched me on the shoulder and he said, well, you're not home yet. Think about that. Why do we serve God? The uh, there's a lot of things in this world that we can do and a lot of times we think about 
Look at that guy. But you know what? He got his reward. Ours is still coming. So, as the praise team comes up, I want you all to ask yourself, what's the state of your heart? Where, where are you at today? And let that sink in. If you, if you really don't know, ask God. You'll spend some time with Him. So, let me tell you what, the, what serving the Lord looks like. In your home, in your place of work, place of business, in your normal lifestyle, whatever you're doing. God has put people in your life. He's put your kids. He's put your parents, your spouse, uh, your co-workers, your, everybody that you, that you come across. And uh, at the end of the day, those people, think about the person you love most in your life, your children or whatever it is. And I've got a little revelation for you. God loves them more than you do. And He wants to care for them. Whether that's, you know, fostering someone. Whether that's feeding the hungry. Whether that's clothing the homeless. Whether that's taking care of your children. God loves them more than you ever did or ever will. But He wants us to be His hands and His feet serving this world. That is what good Christian service looks like. We do that out of God's heart, not out of our own. Those who serve God, He notices and He cares for. So as you go to the streets this week, look for opportunities to serve. Ask God to show you where you can make a difference in someone's life. You're loved.